0: So Rivals is an episode of television that we both watched. Oh, it's, you know, I've been saying this entire time, like, I really like when they show kind of the day and the life bits of the station, you know, just the little slice of life, what goes on when there isn't a station-wide disaster, you know, when there isn't a war on, you know, when just people are living their lives. And this is not what I wanted, necessarily. This is not what
1: anybody wanted
0: what I kept thinking of during this episode was this season was longer than the first season by what? Is it like three, three episodes, six episodes, episodes. six episodes. So this is one of those six additional episodes that would have been cut. Like if this were a, if this were a season one length, we would not have had this episode. Nothing really happens. And while there's points, which are kind of okay. I did kind of, I do like the whole, you know, this is a very fine B plot, but just, the A-plot, if you want to call it that, with these luck machines, is horrible. Yeah. And in a way, in a way which, you know, it's fine if you want to have the A-plot be just an excuse for getting into this situation and, you know, it's a window into seeing, you know, what Quark's doing just on a regular basis. You know, that would be fine, but they, it, it, it it's a very much a shaggy dog story in a way that I felt insulted by. We know kind of from the, second we see this little machine, okay, it's doing something with people's luck, and that's the reason that this is all happening. And at the end, they say, well, this has something to do with luck, and that's why this was all happening, and that's about all they figure out.
1: Yeah, well both of these both of the episodes we're talking about this week Rivals and then the, the Alternate later. Uh it, 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 both of them have problems actually ending and sort of coming up with explanations for why yeah. things were going on. And you know, we'll talk about the Alternate in in, in a few minutes. I think it's a, a better episode than Rivals, but but not by much. And and so the problem with Rivals really is like you said, you know, I mean, I didn't really pick up on the luck thing I had seen this episode, you know, probably two or three times before and I last watched a complete run through of Deep Space Nine. I believe it was about four years ago. Okay, and so I didn't remember this. I think a lot of it just had to do with the fact that this is one of those episodes that, when I don't have to watch it for a podcast and, and yeah. analyze it, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it because, frankly, it's boring. And this episode is boring. It's it's yeah. tedious. There's nothing in. Well, I wouldn't say there's nothing interesting about it. I'll get to what I think is interesting about yeah. it, but. It's it's just boring, and and a large reason why it's so boring is simply the fact that uh, the guy who plays Martis is just not that interesting. You know,
0: you know. Okay, yeah. So he's an Elorian. He's the same as Guinan, and obviously this is chronologically before uh, Generations. But the villain from Generations is an Elorian as well. Yeah, Guinan is the only one we've seen that's been interesting. You know, and. You know, I feel like they keep wanting to do something more interesting with this listener species. And you know, while we see obviously they make great bartenders, we can assume they make great, you know, therapists and all of that. Sure. Um, you know, we could say yes, he uh, an Alorian would make a fantastic con artist, you know, but he's not an interesting con artist. I do like con man stories and, you know, uh, well, know? he needs
1: he needs to be a lot smarter. He needs to be a lot more yeah. you know willing to go toe to toe with Quark. I mean, the whole thing his his he's just not the right actor for this part. You know, he's very that's, flat. Yeah, it's just not it's not a good fit for this character. And they really should have found somebody who was a little bit more interesting. And frankly, they needed someone who was chewing the scenery. You know,
0: let, let that's that it. A, yeah, like, it, it, we call it rivals. Well, he's nothing to Quark. Right, he has to be as kind of campy. And as flamboyant and as over-the-top as Quark can be. And he's not. And so, you know, there is no... We, You know, we talk about sometimes at the end, well, we know this episode, we're never going to see this character again, you know? And that's fine, but he doesn't even seem like a real threat, you know? Yeah. He doesn't even seem like... And we don't miss him at the end of the day. I wanted a rival for Cork that we miss because, you know, to a degree we like Cork getting a comeuppance from time to time. But
1: Well, frankly, every time that the character came on screen, I was sort of like, oh, right, this again. You know, like he just – he kind of erases himself from your memory while you're watching the episode and that's just yeah. not a good sign. And this is the A-plot. I mean this is ostensibly the thing that's supposed to be driving the entire episode forward. And I was much more interested in the adventures of Miles O'Brien and Bashir playing racquetball. You know, you know and,
0: yeah, and you know that was partially because we got to see some shirtless O'Brien in a few scenes. Hey, wow.
1: if, if you like uh, puggy potato guys, uh, and and Keiko and Ke- Keiko and O'Brien are very attracted to each other, and that's fine um, if that's your thing. Calling him a potato guy is really offensive because he's Irish. I'm Irish. I can get away with it uh yeah and you know it's it's interesting because it makes me wonder like the whole concept of a race of listeners and this kind of thing okay that's kind of half a good idea I don't really know what it means and it makes me realize that a large part of what made Guinan such an interesting character was not necessarily the fact that she was supposed to be a listener or whatever it's just frankly that she was played by Whoopi Goldberg
0: yeah I was gonna say she did a really good job with you know, and, and to a degree, no matter what, you know, Guinan, yeah, you would want to, She is exactly the bartender that you would want to tell your problems to. And she does seem, you know, and she does something with that listening. That's the other thing. Like anytime, time, you know, she Guinan was always good at, you know, te- listening in between the lines kind of and figuring out what the person is exactly saying and telling them exactly what they need to hear, you know. Uh, To a degree, she was, you know, a very, you know, she was wise and slightly mystical. And I think the fact that she is so mysterious for most of that series helps it a bit, too. Because, you know, we don't know much about Guinan through her run. Well, now the more that it, the more that other people from her species are being characterized, you know, number one, the more exceptional she seems and the more mundane their species in a way.
1: Well and that's and that's really the thing is like, you know, you're really setting up a guy to be some sort of extraordinary character that's, you know, uh, uh, the sole representative of our species that isn't an asshole. And, you know, okay, fine, but I also think that it's an interesting concept to have someone of her species use their whatever, you know, nebulous voodoo powers of 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 listening uh, to be a con man. I mean, I think that that's an interesting take yeah. on that sort of concept. You know, it's 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 almost the the reverse of what Guinan does. But they don't really do anything interesting with it. You know, yeah, it's yeah. kind of funny that he's trying to scam this woman about the mining thing, and at the end of the episode it's revealed that she's actually a scam artist. And frankly, she's a better scam artist than he is. I you have know? to be
0: honest, the second that she's, you know, once she comes, you know, in the first scene, like, I believe her. But in her second scene, she's, you know, when she asks him for the money, I'm like, oh, that would be funny if he gets conned himself, you know, and it's a really obvious, you know, in a dramatic irony kind of way. I liked that, you know, sub sub plot, but yeah, he seems really dumb. He's not really listening to her, is he? And
1: I just and I just think that, you know, a lot of it, again, has to do with the performance by the actor. You know, he just he doesn't seem engaged in what's going on. He doesn't really seem to understand what's going on. You know, he just kind of is is I don't know. It doesn't even really feel like he's reacting to anything that's happening. It's almost like he's in a different episode of the show. And only he were. Yeah, that's true. I mean I think back to to a few episodes ago when we had the B plot about the 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 assassin that wanted to kill Quark and we kind of had the same problem where the actor who was playing that that alien just yeah. wasn't a strong enough presence wasn't campy enough wasn't seen chewing enough wasn't you know something they needed to do something else to to really make that character stand out and again it just came across as very flat. And I think that a lot, you know, that's kind of becoming a, you know, maybe, you know, once is an anomaly and two becomes a pattern. I don't know, but I hope this doesn't become a pattern on the show where a quark has this sort of, you know, rival with someone and it just, you know, it it, it doesn't really pan out in any way. Uh it kind of makes me realize, that, you know, there's a couple things going on here. I think number one, and we see this at the beginning of the alternate with the with the great scene between Odo and and Quark, where they're talking about, you know, selling the the little you know discs of yeah. dead Ferengi. That that number one, you know quark already does have a rival it's odo and every single yeah. one of their scenes that they that they do together is is frankly you know it's just fucking fun to watch they're, they're yeah, they because play because off...
0: odo is as strong of a character as Quark. yeah
1: and and you know it's interesting because renee aubergine does play odo as a little bit reserved and a little bit high and mighty and a little bit aloof but he does it in a very sort of uh, he's projecting it out as opposed to just sort of sucking all the energy of the of the, yeah, of the performance yeah, yeah. In him, inside himself.
0: He's and, a strong presence in all of C,
1: right? And and the other thing that I think is is going along with this is that you know Armin Shimmerman is I think the best actor on the show. Yeah. I mean I think that that's you know maybe other actors will kind of step up later, but I think at this point in the show's run, it's not. Uh, a problem to say that Armin Shimmerman is is the strongest actor on the show and so if you're going to have a guest star be the rival to Quark they really need to cast someone who can who can go toe-to-toe with Armin Shimmerman and this guy just isn't is isn't that I mean
0: let's let's face it Wallace Shawn has had trouble with it so you know true yeah so no you know certainly this nobody is gonna have a have a problem too um yeah uh, but again, you know, the woman that, you know, he's trying to scam is it would be would have been a fun foil for, for someone like that. You know, it's not like I don't know.
1: Yeah. Why not have it be a woman? I mean, I you know, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways you could take this. But I just think that, you know, for example, like there's there's a scene about halfway through the episode where where Martis and Quark are sort of talking to each other. and They're feeling each other out and they're having this sort of like, you know, verbal battle of wills. And. It just feels like it's about seventeen hours long. There's nothing interesting about it whatsoever. You know, Martis is very, in, you know, Martis seems very disinterested about everything that's going on, and you almost get the sense that Martis just wants to leave. And it's like, why don't you just leave? Like, why are you staying here? You know, you're just, you're just gumming up the episode for everybody else.
0: Yeah. It, it wasn't again. It wasn't a really. It, it, both of the a both of the plots felt like B plots. This would have been an okay B-plot except for it connecting to the A-plot. And, again, if they had had a more interesting A-plot, maybe it would have, you know, all frankly, the worst that happens is a couple people bump their knees, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, nothing really happens, and you get kind of this
1: half-baked explanation about you know, neutrinos, you know, reversing their spin and it's causing the laws of probability to change. Like, all right. But no,
0: no. Because Dax says at one point, actually, I, you know, because someone says, you know, is the neutrinos the reason? And Dax says, oh, I think that's a symptom of the same thing. It's these luck machines. But, you know. Well, it's very half-baked. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, But who cares? Yeah. Again, it's who cares? It's
1: kind of the worst of Star Trek. You know, it's, it's. It's techno bible in lieu of
0: some sort of actual logical explanation for what's going on. You know, to a degree, this had some resonances of the game, which I didn't like as an episode, but at least we had some kind of technological problem which was causing all of these strange behaviors to come, but sure. had a reason for existing. Sure. It was part of a plot explicitly to take over. You know, if we knew, okay, if they said at the end, oh, well, these luck machines were created to eventually. Cause bad luck and siphon bad luck to the you know if it was something even give even give me that and they right. couldn't even do that you know it, it it you can tell that this was again this is the definition of a filler episode no one really, you know they just had to they had six extra episodes and they had to make one
1: yeah and it's I mean I think it's 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 kind of indicative of or a kind of um you know sort of uh, uh telling that the the Bashir and O'Brien subplot about them playing racquetball and getting very competitive or O'Brien getting very competitive with Bashir, I guess. I mean, Bashir kind of feels sorry for him. Yeah. Uh, is is something that they wanted to do for a few episodes and they just kind of slotted it into this episode, I think, because they, it, they fit it in. I mean, I don't think they had enough plot to fill 45 minutes otherwise.
0: Yeah, it and, seems like they had that, you know, both of these were B plots that they had knocking around and they just kind of, you know, couldn't find another episode and just so melded them together.
1: Yeah and and you know the Bashir and O'Brien stuff is the best thing about the episode you
0: know I mean, I mean i liked it because it well it gives a little more you know we've seen the two of them interact and they don't quite like each other but you know they sort of have an understanding but they also you know that's coming more to the forefront in this episode and we get to learn a bit more about how o'brien's starting to view himself you know he is no longer the young you know Scrappy guy, who, you know, he is a family man with, you know, major responsibilities. He was starting to get a little older and, you know, I, I liked all of that. I like his interactions with Keiko. Those are nice. Those are fine. You like that really like, a shirt on. Of, of course. I really liked the scene when uh, she's helping him get ready and she ties on, you know, the Hachimaki and she's like, oh, kick his butt. You know, like I liked that, you know, but, you know, was that enough? To save the episode? No, not really.
1: I think it was just you know it was nice to go back to it every once in a while because I think if that wasn't in the episode, yeah, this episode would have just been been I think maybe unwatchable. I mean, you know, it, it's yeah. just there's almost nothing interesting about the rest of this episode. You know,
0: it's the the O'Brien Bashir stuff is the B plot of a better episode.
1: I think so. Yeah, and I think that that what what I like about it is that you know it is Deep Space Nine sort of remembering that these characters have existed before and, and sort of, yeah. you know, weaving in some some subplots about personality that that uh, perhaps will come back, perhaps won't. You know, you remember back from from the first season with the storyteller where Bashir and O'Brien get stuck together and, you know, O'Brien's very much not into this and Bashir's kind of like, hey, yeah, you know, let's be, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's like a puppy. And and in this episode, it's almost the exact opposite, where O'Brien has sort of gone from not liking Bashir to sort of, like, being angry at him ever existing. <laughs> and, but, I mean, and- you could
0: definitely see, like, Bashir, you know, Bashir talking at the beginning, you know, when he's like, oh, well, I did this, and, you know, I did this in school, and, you know, which form, you know, he's just saying this completely innocuously because he loved this. And, obviously, O'Brien is taking this as, you know, a pissing contest, you know? yeah. And- you know that lack of communication that's interesting too especially coming from the last series being nobody can disagree like that well and i you also know?
1: i also think it's interesting that that bashir doesn't seem to really be all that competitive he doesn't i mean we've never seen any indications that bashir is that competitive whereas o'brien you know seems to be uh, uh yeah. very competitive and so that's kind of an interesting mix as well i think
0: yeah 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 i mean but uh, you know all of that was good but again you know the and, and even again even If the whole Alorian guy had been a very minor B-plot in a different episode, maybe that would have been okay, but we're expected to care about something that's very difficult to care about.
1: Well, and here's, you know, there's there's an interesting factoid about about Martis as well, which I'll tell you in a minute. But but I kind of want to raise like a larger question at this point because you know, we are reaching the, the 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 midpoint of the second season and so, you know, we've seen about 30 episodes or something of the show so I gotta far. I got to be
0: honest, this season has felt very long actually.
1: Yeah, no, that's what I, that's what I'm getting at is you know, my my sense of where the show is at this point, you know, because I've said before that Michael Piller is the showrunner for the first couple of years, and then he kind of leaves to go do, do go do Voyager. And Iris Stephen Bear comes on as showrunner. So I think the show is kind of facing a, a, a dilemma at this point. You know, does the show know why – it does the show really understand why it exists?
0: Yeah, I, I think – this episode doesn't know why it exists. This is certainly not, you know, we've seen some really good episodes this season, you know, stuff like necessary evil was, you know, I'm interested in the characters and I'm interested in the world building. And this show, this episode doesn't quite give us anything with either, you know, we don't, there, there is kind of a lot, there are a few larger meta plots, uh, to the series, mostly surrounding the whole Bejor Cardassian thing. Um, and while not every episode has to be on that, because that would get tedious after a while, right? You know,
1: this isn't it, Game it, of Thrones.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, this, this isn't this isn't showing off the best of the show yet.
1: Yeah, but you know, I guess I guess the question is, and and you know, maybe it's just not possible for for a twenty six episode season to to know at this point. But yeah. You know, the, the, the strongest episodes of the show so far have been either about the Bajorans, about the Cardassians, you know, or or something to do with our actual main characters. And there seems to be a very, you know, I'm thinking of episodes uh, like Duet, like In the Hands of the Prophets. I think the first three episodes of the season, yeah. the, the, the circle three-parter was very well done. I think even something like Invasive Procedures, which which wasn't exactly the most... A successful episode at least it was trying something different and trying to tie it in with with the character of Dax and you know how everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of likes her and, and you know that kind of stuff this episode doesn't really seem to be connected with anything it almost kind of feels like a like a second season TNG episode and I'm not saying <laughs> that in a complimentary way
0: and no, so no I mean even the characters that it deals with you know while pork is you know great in this episode fine um and he's a character that we all like you know Bashir and O'Brien are second-string characters of the main cast, let's face it. Yeah. They, they, you know, so far the main character, you know, even Sisko has been a little more in the background, but, you know, Kira's a main character, Odo, I think, is, you know, who I care about more, Dax I certainly do, you know. Hmm. They, this this episode doesn't make O'Brien or Bashir more interesting or reveal quite anything about them that's, you know, di- or... Even Quark, and so yeah, I, I guess where I am coming to this is why did I spend forty five minutes watching?
1: Because I talked to him you into doing a podcast about podcast Star Trek five three years, years ago. ago. Yeah, um, it was only three years ago. Uh, it, yeah, no,
0: after f- this episode, it feels like five.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I think so, and I think that that you know, it, it's okay for the show not to quite know what it is yet, but I yeah. think it, they they need to put episodes out that are a little better than this. Frankly, yeah, I mean, I. I, I yeah. that's that's kind of where where i think we can leave that uh i think the last thing i want to mention before we move on to the alternate is that uh, interestingly enough and i actually think this would have been a terrible idea uh, uh martis was actually supposed to be Gynen's son oh god and and Gynen was supposed to make an appearance in this episode and uh whoopi, whoopi goldberg was unavailable while they were filming it so they, they it quote
0: unquote unavailable once you saw the script yeah
1: i think i think that's exactly what happened uh, I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm glad that Whoopi Goldberg either was unavailable or said hell no, uh, because <laughs> I think that, frankly, that would have made the episode even
0: worse. I like that Rom has all of this luck with the Debo girls, though, because, I mean, mm. uh, when everyone was getting off of the ship, you know, he sold Hork's ticket for a Debo girl, and at the end he just put out, out his arm and she goes with him. Like, I, I like that Rom is secretly a player. Uh,
1: are you coming around to Rom yet?
0: You know, I, I, I like— I. I a little bit, yeah.
1: Okay, good, because Rom's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> I mean, he's not like, you know, a big part of the show or anything. He doesn't, you know no. save the Federation in season seven or anything. Aww. But uh yeah, he's he's uh he he has an interesting character arc and They're
0: starting, that. you know, or or things like even when, you know, Cork's like, you know, he shaves the Latinum and he's like, I don't shave it much you know, we we see he's like, you know, he's a little bit of a crook and I kinda like that. Yeah. You know, he's very much He's a bomb and he doesn't really, he's not a very successful one, but, you know, he probably does, maybe, I, I don't want to say deserves his station in life, but, you know, Quark definitely has his number. Quark is the more dominant brother for a reason, but, you know, I like that.
1: Well, we'll see where it goes. I I, I think that, that Deep Space Nine does a lot of interesting things with both Quark and Rom in the context of their relationship
0: and also in the context of them being Ferengi.
1: Let's talk about the alternate.
0: See, my first note for this episode was, oh, good, a real episode now. Now, I don't think this was completely successful, but... No. Yeah, uh, the, 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 I like that we get to meet, you know, see a bit more of Odo's background. I thought the casting of the Doctor was brilliant because it does look very much like somebody that Odo is trying to mimic his face. Yeah. You know, the that hair, was the, the very,
1: the you know,
0: all the, that stuff. Yeah. That was very good casting on, you know, on that part. Even a couple little mannerisms that he has, you know, or phrasings are very similar. He has been studying Rene was performance, you know, before doing that. Um, I like, you know, I think it's good to see, you know, get a bit more of where Oda was and learn a bit more of where he came from. But, this is an episode that doesn't really... I think this episode doesn't really care about the larger picture, and that's a problem because, yeah. you know, you know, we, the central mystery of who is Odo, what is Odo, that's fascinating to me. And this episode just kind of gives us a gas that turns them evil and a pillar that no one can figure out and some random life form, and that's about it. Right. And I think, you know... Uh, uh, yeah, and that doesn't really... Give us anything.
1: Well, what I was struck by with this episode is how much this episode turns Odo into Data. Oh my God! Yes, and and what I mean by that is, you know, we we remarked, you know, while we were talking about the Next Generation, that that you know, every season or every couple of seasons, yeah. TNG would do an episode where something happened to Data. He'd get struck by lightning, or he'd get you know, he'd get
0: hacked in some way. Yeah,
1: he would he would malfunction and he would turn evil. And then he'd take over the ship because he's a superhuman and, he, you know, and it just became a joke and it became a problem. And you're like, why would they keep this guy around if, you know, if someone looks at him cross-eyed, his his positronic circles go haywire and he becomes, you know, a Bond villain. Uh, and I think that that's what this episode also did. You know, Odo, yeah. is, it, Odo is a mystery. Odo is obviously very powerful. You know, Odo is strong. We don't know what his capabilities are at this point. We really don't know how strong he is. We don't know much about him at all.
0: We don't uh, know if you can kill Odo.
1: Yeah, well, that's yeah. We don't know <laughs> if you can kill Odo. That's a good point. You shoot him. It's not like you're going to hit a vital organ, you know? Right. Exactly. And I mean, if he sees it coming, you can just you know kind of go around it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of open questions about Odo at this point, and this episode seems to be going in the direction of let's start to unpeel the onion that is Odo, and instead it turns it into a. Uh, Odo turns into a supervillain story. And I just don't, not even really a supervillain, just a monster. And it's not, it's not interesting. You know, this is one of those episodes that makes a hard left turn about 20 minutes in and it
0: becomes a much less interesting episode. You know, there was a while where I thought there were actually two shapeshifters on the, the scene when Dax walks in and she's like, oh, they let me free, you know, and all of that. I'm like, oh my God, there's another shapeshifter on the ship. It took Dax's form and that's what's happening. And this whole thing about regeneration is a red herring. And this is some you know, this is a being that's Odo's brother or sibling or whatever, and it feels bad about the fact that it was passed over and Odo has it. It wants to take Odo's and it wasn't any of that.
1: No. No. It was
0: that's where I thought it was going and I was excited about that.
1: Well, and that's really the central problem with the episode is that the episode doesn't really seem to understand what's interesting about it. You know,
0: it,
1: it 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 seems like they wanted to do a monster of the week episode and they slotted it into some sort of character arc with Odo which i think is a a good and a bad choice right because yeah once you introduce the once you introduce Dr Mora and we get to see Dr Mora and meet him and see how Odo and and him interact and we get a little bit more information about Odo and frankly Odo is acting a little bit like a petulant child around Mora which yeah. kind of makes sense
0: uh, I really liked their dynamic and their relationship. They're not really, they never really learn to talk to each other, and they are very, you know, clashing with each other. But at the, you know, and I like that at the end they come to a point where they realize, you know, we don't know how to do this, but we both kind of want to try. Well, you know, that I thought that I liked. But... Well,
1: I think what's most striking about their their dynamic or their relationship is that Odo is deferential to Doctor Mora, and you know. He's not yeah. deferential to anybody. I mean, the episode opens with him, you know, uh, being classic Odo, and 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 it becomes this this different thing once Mora enters the picture, and Odo is you know almost kind of, I don't know, not he's he's very very different around Doctor Mora. and they don't he's, do he's, anything. He's ashamed
0: with him. to be himself. You know, he's ashamed to fully be. You know, uh, uh, um. Odo is very confident. Odo does what he wants. As we've said, Odo's made himself. From the, you know, from his very physical form, he's made himself. And now we're seeing, I mean, again, the fact that he's obviously trying to mimic uh, Dr. Mora means that he gives Dr. Mora a lot more importance in his life than he's willing to admit. And, you know, maybe he's ashamed to admit that. Well...
1: yeah, I think so. And I think that, that Odo, you know, there's a couple of interesting things about this because, you know, number one, they actually wanted Rene Auberjonois to play Dr. Mora and uh, it, it, they didn't have him do it uh, because, uh, as I understand it, it just would have taken too long for, for Re- Rene Auberjonois yeah. to go back and forth in the makeup. So, but I think it's actually a good choice because I think that that would have number one made the data stuff even even more of a direct uh, parallel because you know of yeah. course uh, you know Brent Spider played uh, yeah, yeah, Doctor yeah. Song Doctor uh, a couple of times or one time I think I don't remember exactly how many times Doctor Soong was in the show, not that it really matters and and three hundred. What 800? he was in every episode. He was in every episode. He actually. He, he was actually data. Oh my god! That's uh, that's that's my theory. Okay, we're gonna have to go back and rewatch all of Next Generation. So, uh, next week we'll be talking about the pilot episode of TNG: Encounter at Farpoint. That's not true. Um,
0: yeah, and I think no, that, it is the that, pilot episode.
1: <laughs> and I think that it's really interesting that that Odo has this dynamic with Doctor Mora because you yeah. know Doctor Mora is the only person that kind of talks to Odo like like a person in a sense. I mean, everyone else is, is everyone else I think likes Odo to some degree. I think that they f- have warm feelings towards him and Odo is very uncomfortable with that. You know, I think that Odo is the kind of person that doesn't want to have to rely on anybody and he feels like becoming invested in interpersonal relationships with the people that he works with or the people that he uh, lives on the station with is going to make him a less effective uh, chief of security and also frankly make him a less effective person.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's that bit when, you know, he—you know, someone calls him Constable, and, uh, Dr. Mora, you know, asks him about it. He's like, oh, it's just a nickname, you know, and he said, no, it's an expression of affection that you feel really uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. He he does have a lot of insights into, because he does know where Odo came from. But then again, there is that—there is that scene between Dax and Dr. Mora where, um— Because during a lot of the beginning of the episode, Dr. Mora talks about him like a science experiment. When they're on the ship, he's not even looking at Odo, and he's talking about him, you know. And partially that's because of the way the seating is, but he is talking about Odo like he's not in the room. As the episode goes on, he begins to, you know, know, take—because it's true, he did see Odo as a science experiment to a degree, and this is when he's finally seeing him as an adult, but Dax has a line and I wish I'd written it down, but you know, she said something like, Oh yes, Odo's a very good man, and she very specifically uh accentuates that, you know, to I think stress the fact that she does see him as a person and she's worried that Dr. Mora might not. You know? Yeah. Well I I, I you know, I, I I do think the people on the enterpri- on, on the Enterprise, on D S nine, think of Odo as a person in a different way that dr mora is thinking of him
1: well i think that i think that what you're really seeing there is that dr mora thinks of odo as his child in a sense yeah and and you know there's there's a different connotation there of course i mean we don't really need to go into the the interpersonal dynamics of of you know human families because we're all human uh at least ostensibly and if you're not please uh, uh uh write us an email um yeah, and I think that that that's I think where I, where I take that line is a little bit different because of course you know we're talking about how Odo has has patterned himself after Doctor Mora and we had a discussion a few episodes ago perhaps it was towards the end of the first season I think where you know I kind of raised the question about Odo and you know does Odo have a gender why is he male you know he could very easily be a female he could very easily be asexual you know there's really no reason why Odo yeah. has to present himself as a, as a male. And I think that this episode provides a little bit of an answer. He's patterning himself after Dr. Mora, and you yeah, know if there had
0: been a woman scientist, he would look like her
1: right and and I think that that's a really i think that's a really interesting way to go with it because of course it it both makes odo more like us and less like us, you know because of course we're all trying to be like our parents, but at the same time. We're trying, you know. At a certain point, you 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 try not to be like your parents, and so
0: it's there's an ambivalence. This, yeah, yeah,
1: he's very ambivalent about it, and I think that that kind of translates into an interesting character arc for him, and I think it's something that's very understandable to the audience. But then the this episode, sep- go ahead.
0: Well, well, this episode wants to deal with that ambivalence in the, uh, you know, loving the parent, hating, you know, wanting to kill the parent, kind of a thing, and. You know, but it takes it very literally in a way which is cartoonish and silly, you know? Yeah. In a way which doesn't, you know, I can't take that as a serious examination of this conflict.
1: No, I can't either because, again, they're grafting this very, very nice character episode about Odo onto a Monster of the Week story. And and it's just, it's it's fundamentally at odds with each other. and And, and the Monster of the Week story is frankly not all that interesting and it's not resolved very well. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's a, a, a coincidence that the episode starts out with Cisco and Jake. You know, the father son yeah. relationship is very prominent in this episode. You know, I don't think it's a, a, a I don't think it's a coincidence that Cisco is mentioning his father for the first time in this episode. Yeah, yeah, you
0: know, yeah. and they have, a. you know, and we know Cisco and Jake have a very healthy uh, father son relationship, even as we've seen you know, Jake's starting to get older and pull away in some ways. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing that done well.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of, you know, subconsciously setting them, setting us up for this relationship between Dr. Mora and Odo. Um, So I, I, I like all of that stuff, but you know, it doesn't go far enough. I think that, you know, I, I we, we, you know, when we were talking uh, a few minutes ago and rivals about, you know, where is this show going? Does it understand itself yet? And I think that, that, The alternate is a really frustrating episode to talk about and and watch, frankly, because I think that, you know, on the one hand, it's got this really strong character stuff that could very easily carry the episode. You know, there's no reason to have this monster of the week stuff that takes up the last 20 minutes of the running time, goes nowhere, doesn't tell us anything, and isn't resolved, doesn't really make any sense even – it's it's a show which still seems to think that we're watching it for sci-fi reasons, and yeah. we're not. You know, I, I, the the best episodes of this show have, have had almost nothing to do with science fiction. I mean, what does Duet have to do with science fiction? What does In the yeah, Hands exactly. of the Prophets have to do with science fiction? You know, so so I think that the show is kind of like it needs to figure this out, and it needs to be comfortable with jettisoning this, this you know, necessity. I mean, I could very easily see, I don't know, like, I'm thinking of Family, for example, you know, where that's one of the best mm. episodes of The Next Generation and nothing to do with science fiction. Yeah,
0: it could be of any period. It's a period drama to a degree almost.
1: Right. And I think that, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think that this show has an even stronger possibility to become something like
0: that. Well, because again, we have, now we can have dramatic conflicts between main casts mem- cast members as well, and that's you know that is the stuff of drama. That is how drama goes. You get two people, you put them in conflict in some way, and you know that's it. So yeah, we could reap some very strong you know strong drama from this. In a um, uh, 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 necessary evil was not a science fiction piece at all either. No. It was. That was utterly a film noir piece, yeah, but it was very much about, turned out to be very much about this tension that is underlying the relationship between Odo and Kira. And this episode actually did make, because there is one scene towards the end when Kira is reacting to finding out that Odo is, you know, going crazy. And yeah, they really haven't had a close scene together since that episode, have they?
1: No, they haven't. And I think that that's very, I think that's very telling.
0: It's, you know, and Nana Visitor is very clear about the fact in this performance that Kira knows she hasn't had a conversation with him after this, you know. There is a bit of worry in her in that scene that, oh my god, they're going to catch and kill Odo and I won't even have this chance to, you know, deal with this, you know, to a degree. Yeah, that's, I,
1: I think that's a really good point and I think that's what I want to see the show do more of.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you say Armin Shimerman is probably the best actor I think she's a very cl- she's coming into a very close second. It tur- it took till duet to get her to that point, but I think she when she hit that mark, she's been very strong and I really like I've always liked Kira as a care.
1: Oh yeah, no, she's fantastic. And I think that you know, but again, I think that this this is what I'm really getting at is the the show is just not comfortable with itself yet. It doesn't yeah. hasn't really figured itself out and it's not it's not a confident show yet. You know, I think that, that there's a confidence to the next generation, especially in the fourth and the fifth seasons, uh, and maybe even the sixth, sixth season to a degree, um, where the show just really was on top and could do no wrong. And they knew exactly what they were capable of, and they knew what they weren't capable of, and they, they really hit the ground running in every single episode. And, you know, this, uh, this show hasn't figured that out yet. I think that it's starting to, but it's, it's just it feels like it's going to be a little rocky for a while.
0: It feels to a degree like... Because around season four and five of Next Gen, that was at its peak popularity, right? That yeah, was yeah, yeah, when, yeah. That was when Next Generation was Star Trek, and everybody knew Captain Picard, you know? And, you know, most people had seen an episode, you know, and all of that. And this show never becomes Star Trek, really. Uh, you know, throughout its run, nobody thinks of it as an iconic Star Trek show to the degree that original series or next generation was and you know where where what season are we in in uh next gen at this point are we in season seven this is season seven yeah yeah so that's about to wind down and it almost seems like they're realizing you know we're not gonna just you know pick up where we left off once next generation stops so yeah i can see why they feel a little underconfident Um, well, yeah, and I think,
1: you know, and I, not, not to cut you off, but I think the other thing you have to keep in mind too, is that, I mean, that's a very good point that, you know, it's, it's contemporaneous with season seven of TNG. And once, once we get to DS nine season three. That's it. I mean, TNG is done. You know, uh, DS9 is going to be Star Trek, at least for a few months until Star Trek Voyager starts. And so, you know, there's this very brief period at kind of the half, you know, half of the third season of DS9 where it was the only Star Trek on the air. Uh, And then Star Trek Voyager, of course, is a different thing entirely because, you know— I don't want to get but too far. But a much more traditional, well, a it's much a much a mu-
0: more traditional Star Trek show. It's no much way. more
1: traditional, but the setting is also like you know, uh, 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 seventy years away from from everything yeah. that we've come to know. I mean, you you know a little bit about Star Trek Voyager and how the the the, sh- the ship is basically like thrust across the the galaxy, and they're you know seventy years away from home. So you know, this is where you know once once this ends ds9 is going to be the only star trek on the air in the in the you know area that we know in, in the past 7 years or whatever so you know there there's some possibility for things to get shaken up then but for right now the show is just kind of treading water it feels like
0: yeah they're not really sure how to be the show that they need to be but i don't think that, sure i don't what think that kind of kind of they know
1: you know that's that's the thing i don't think they really know yet yeah and I think that that's why this episode again is so frustrating because it it could have been one of those episodes that was one of the one of the early classics of the show, and instead it's
0: just it falls apart, you know, uh, you know. The... I I feel like the show in some ways is ahead of its time. If this had been made ten years later, during you know the time when you had you know the likes of Lost and The Sopranos and stuff on the air, maybe it would have been, you know. But then again maybe it would have sucked at that point I don't know
1: yeah it, it's a hard question to answer and
0: I you know you and I I know I've talked about this a lot we want to see you know an HBO style Star Trek show to a degree you know
1: well I, I don't know that I necessarily want to see that but I I, I I you know I don't know it's a hard question to answer and I don't know the one to get into a big conversation about about television but you know it is on this show what it's just you know I've given my thoughts on serialization in television before and I think that it's it's vastly overrated. You know, I I I don't I think that it's very difficult to pull off. I think that it it has a high probability of failing if the if the plot isn't interesting. And I think that it it privileges, you know, it privileges plot and it privileges sort of this like accelerating feeling all the time. I mean, one of the best shows that did this, of course, was breaking bad. And that show just felt like you were on a roller coaster for five seasons because, you know, they had to top what they were doing, you know, and each season had to be like yeah. more crazy. And it had to be, you know, uh, 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 just, just shaking up the status quo so much in, in ways that we had never seen before to, to, to keep, it's like a fun, it's basically like an amusement park ride, you know? And, and I don't want star Trek to become that. And I think that, well, you And that's kind of what, you know, what I'm getting at, I think.
0: Yeah, but I mean, what I've been thinking about is Buffy, which was only a few years after this, which, you know, did a very good job of mixing, you know, the one-off monster of a week type episodes, but still having an overarching plot, usually by giving it some, you know, the way they handled it was there was some main villain and, you know, every couple episodes they would have an episode where they encountered them and, you know, it ran away, you know. They could have done that kind of thing on the show. Yeah. You know, you know, the, the Vedic win is the big bad of season three, for example, and they have two or three encounters with her, and then in the season finale, they defeat her or whatever.
1: Right, right. You know,
0: that kind of a thing. Maybe, you know, but at the same time, then you're still able to have these episodes where it's just a completely unrelated uh, thing happen. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and I think that, that, again, I think that a lot of that just has to do with the fact that the show isn't quite sure what it's doing yet, you know? Yeah. And, of course, we also have to remember that it's, you know, it's 1993, and that kind of storytelling yeah. just, I mean, nobody really
0: did that then. Which is why I say, in some degrees, I feel like it might be a little ahead of its time.
1: Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I think that, that you know, it's it's funny because, you know, uh, uh, nerds always like to say that Babylon 5 influenced, you know, t- all the television that came after it. And you know what? It didn't. Nobody watched Babylon 5. You know, <laughs> n- n- Nobody of consequence ever really created anything in, in in response to Babylon 5. Babylon 5 is not the velvet underground of television. Uh, I know that's a shocking statement, but I really do believe it's true. Nobody even remembers the show existed. And, and frankly, it's not very good. Um, you know, ha- People that have fond memories about Babylon 5 should sit down and try and watch it again because you're not going to have a good time. Yeah,
0: I mean I was thinking of rewatching it and you did recently and you said not to. I haven't rewatched it because I have fond memories of it really.
1: Yeah, keep your fond memories of Babylon Five. Yeah. You don't need
0: to rewatch it.
1: Um, you know, and so I you know, that that's kind of the open question at this point is is is, you know, how did this happen in television? I don't know how it happened. I don't have a good answer for that. But I think, you know, to wrap this conversation back around to Deep Space Nine, I think, yeah, maybe it is a little bit ahead ahead of its time, but you know, at the same time it has time to figure it out. You know, I mean There's a reason why I was so excited for us to get to T Space Nine, and I don't want you to think that this is what the show is for all seven seasons. Uh, Yeah, you know, is it going to become that sort of Buffy style serialization? Eh, You know, maybe, maybe not. But the show does does figure itself out, and I think it starts to figure itself out sort of at the end of the second season. So, you know, it's a little bit of a rough road right now, but. I think that that most of these episodes are are watchable. They have good things in yeah. them. We're not talking about a disaster on the scale of TNG season one or TOS yeah, season yeah, yeah. three. So, you know, stay tuned, I
0: guess. No one's going to steal Bashir's brain.
1: Uh, well, join us next week when we talk about Bashir's brain. No. Um, oh, no. Yeah, no, that that's not going to happen, you know. And so... And the show does have a lot of really good stuff in it. It's already established yes. a lot of good characterization, a lot of nice world building, and it has that to fall back on. You know, this could have been a worse episode. You know, this oh, could yeah. have been an episode solely about Odo becoming a monster.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I'm, I have to say, even when the sh- I have enjoyed all of the show so far, at the same time, I see why, you know, this didn't overtake TNG
1: yeah but I also think that you know, I don't know it's 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 hard I mean, it's, this is, it's hard to talk about without knowing what comes after this. So you know, maybe this is just a topic we can revisit in season five or something
0: i I know I have a bunch of friends who are keep saying, you know, like, oh, I want to talk to you about this, but you know, we can't yet because, you know, you don't know. You know, something happens in season three that you know changes every, you know, that kind of stuff. And you know, yeah, I'm. We'll get there. It's ex. It's, it's interest. I I can see you finding my reactions and the listeners at home. I can see you folks finding my reactions interesting because I genuinely have no idea what happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But I but I think that you are getting something out of it, and I think that you are appreciating the and show for, for the qualities that the show perhaps develops later.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I can see it getting more, because, you know, especially based on your reactions, everyone, you know, this has the reputation of being a Trek fans Trek show in a way, you know? This isn't a show you're just going to casually watch. It's true. And maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe they're... Trying, you know, the the problem with rivals and the alternate is they're trying to be episodes of DS Nine that you just kind of casually watch. You know, oh, I'm going to catch the new episode. You know, when when the show's done right, it's it knows that you've been watching it this whole time, even if it isn't directly serializing into it. It respects the and understands the fact that you've been here the whole time. Yeah, it's giving, it's giving little things for that. And TNG turned out to be very good for that too. The way it, I turned out to love the way it handled continuity. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and I think that, that, you know, a good place to leave this conversation that we can can wrap this episode up is, again, I think, you know, just revisiting the idea that the show has not found its confidence yet. And, and yeah. don't be alarmed, Richard, because the show does find its confidence. And once it finds it,
0: it's very, very good. Just like how when Odo was in the lab, he was underconfident. But when he got out to DS9... And Golducott said, solve this mystery. He solved the damn mystery five years later.
1: Sure. That's a nice callback, Richard. I give you five gold stars. Yay. All right. Well, if you would like to share your thoughts on either one of these episodes of Deep Space Nine, please do so on the post for this episode of the podcast at trekaboutshow.com. Please follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash TrekAboutShow. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekAboutShow. Follow us on Instagram, where our username is also, surprisingly, TrekAboutShow. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review. It has been approximately two weeks since we got one, and we would like another one. Uh, Next week, we are talking about Armageddon Game and Whispers. We'll see you then.